Welcome to Ashwood. Dark Stories for Bright Minds. Consumed. Like everybody else in the world, I had been driven mad. My only sin was acting upon it. I'm not a violent person, though. My life is relatively normal. I grew up in a typical middle-class family. We lived in a small suburb about an hour outside of Los Angeles. Summers were spent splashing in our backyard pool to escape the heat. I went to a school just down the street. It was there that I met my best friend. He also happened to be the source of my madness. His name was Dimitri. We sat across from each other in kindergarten. Naturally, we became friends. We had the same classes all the way through high school and remained close friends for the rest of our lives. No matter what happened in life, we always had each other. When he got married, I was his best man. When I got married, he was mine. When he got a divorce, I was with him through that hard time. When my wife passed away, he was there for me. I truly loved him as a brother. I believe he loved me the same way. You must be asking yourself how such a seemingly healthy friendship could have brought about such insanity. The answer is simple. It was the way he ate his food. There was something about it that I could not stand. I tried to avoid sharing meals with him at all costs. As a child, I never really noticed it. But as we grew older, I realized what a slob he was at the table. He attacked whatever he was eating with the ferocity of a lion pouncing on a gazelle. He would chew with his mouth gaping open, mashing the food against the roof of his mouth with his tongue. Then there was the snorting and smacking of his lips, the loud gasps and sighs. Licking the edge of his mouth with a tongue already covered in food, the slop spread in every direction of his face. As his teeth clacked hard, it would create the rhythm to some sickening ballad of awful sounds that would pierce through my ears and consume my soul. I despised it. Regardless of my efforts to push aside those feelings, every time I knew we were going to eat together, I would get anxiety. It would haunt me all day. This was my burden. For almost 50 years, I spent my life with Dimitri. For nearly half a century, I lived with a smoldering hatred deep in my gut that would beg to come up and spit out the years of anger and disgust back at him. I loved him, though. In spite of the way he ravaged his plate three times a day, I loved him. When he wasn't eating, he was my best friend. So I dealt with it. That is, I dealt with it until I just could not take it anymore. You see, with my wife gone and his wife out of the picture, we were spending more and more time together. Naturally, that meant we were also sharing more meals together. My patience was already wearing thin with age. Top that with the loss of my beloved wife. Now, every time we ate together, it was like there was some demon nibbling away at my sanity, little by little. Then one day, as we were watching a basketball game at a local bar, my hatred suddenly consumed me. He was staring up at the screen which was hanging above the tables across the room. Cheering loudly whenever the Lakers scored, and booing even more loudly whenever the Celtics did. I do not remember a single moment of that game, though. All I remember is staring at him as he shoveled more and more wings into that gaping hole in the front of his head. Beer and hot sauce was dripping down his chin, and he seemed completely unaware. I would usually try as hard as possible to avoid eye contact, but this time I was fixated. For the first time in my life, as I watched the food and drink mash into a pale mush between his cheeks, 
I could not look away. I was staring into the face of all the demons that haunted me in my life. Everything bad that ever happened to me somehow was made manifest right there. His life as a figurative pig was somehow the source of all the darkness in my life. It sucked me into an abyss of depression. That night, I replayed the day's awful display in my head over and over. I felt like my body had been split open, my soul shucked from its shell, and Dimitri was slurping up my insanity. At some point, I fell asleep. My dream was something orchestrated by the devil. In the beginning, Dimitri was a child. He grew into the old man I knew him to be, but as he aged, he consumed everything and everyone along the way. His toys, his house, his school, his friends, parents, wife. Dimitri would stretch his mouth wide and chomp and chew it all. Finally, there was nothing left. Just Dimitri, by himself, in a world of emptiness. Then he turned to me, his eyes wild with hunger. He opened wide. I pulled out a pistol and stretched my hand deep into his throat. Just as he was biting down, as his teeth dug into my shoulder to rip my arm off, I pulled the trigger. The back of his head exploded in every direction. I shot again, and again. I shot repeatedly inside that cavernous mouth of his, and blood, brains, and bone jetted out everywhere. Eventually, all the things he had ever eaten spewed out as well. The world was rebuilt, and all those things he had eaten came back to life. It was just as beautiful as before. Lying in the middle was his lifeless corpse, and there was peace. I awoke that morning with a new purpose. In all my years, I had never felt so alive. Refreshed, I jumped out of bed with a spring in my step that had not been there since my youth. Indeed, I had not been so happy since before Dimitri had entered my life at the young age of five. The only way I could keep up this sublimity was simple. Dimitri needed to die. I immediately set out on a plan. It took several weeks to work it out in my head. Not because it was very complex, but because I had never considered killing anyone before. I did not relish the idea of murdering my best friend, but I knew it was something that had to be done. And so, after digesting many ideas, I finally invited Dimitri over to dinner. He was shocked on the other end of the phone. Are you sure? He mumbled over the phone. His surprise made me wonder if he had actually known that his eating was so offensive to me. This fed my anger even more. If he knew that his actions were so crude, he should have made an effort to be better. Any apprehension I had before was gone. I could not wait to get him in my home. Everything was set up perfectly by the time he rang the doorbell. I ordered a couple pizzas from his favorite spot by my house and hid my loaded pistol in the drawer behind his seat. When I invited him in, he seemed a little nervous. Or maybe that was all in my head. It is hard to tell reality from imagination when one is so anxious. We sat down at the table and served ourselves. To my shock, he grabbed a napkin. To my horror, chewed pleasantly with his mouth closed. He wiped his chin and drank in little sips. This was fodder to the animal inside of me. This was my moment of vengeance. The beast needed to be destroyed, but it would not show its face. After all these decades together, why would Dimitri choose today to finally act like a human being? Did he somehow know my plan? No. 
That was impossible. Like a predator seeking his prey, I needed to draw out the monster. As we sat in silence, stuck between awkward glances at each other while simultaneously avoiding eye contact, my mind raced with ideas. How could I bring the evil to the surface? It became apparent that this was no easy task for Dimitri, though. He was having a hard time keeping himself from devouring the pizza and beer in front of him. I realized I just needed to distract him. The solution was simple as can be. I began some small talk. I asked him how his day was going, if he had any plans for the weekend, and the usual banter. Slowly, the beast emerged. As we got deeper into our conversation, he slowly took larger bites. He started slurping his beer, his teeth clacked louder, and finally those disgusting grunts belted out from his stomach. The moment had arrived. I told him I needed to use the restroom and excused myself from the table. My heart raced as I could feel my dinner coming back up into my throat. His guard was down, but my senses were peaked. Everything seemed to slow down as I opened the drawer to grab my pistol. The rhythmic grinding of teeth and deep grunts seemed to move farther apart. I pulled the gun out and turned around to see the back of his head. He was stooped low over his plate, shoveling the food into his face. As I inched closer, the sound of my heart began to drown out everything else. My stomach turned over and I had to fight to keep from throwing up. I pressed the gun against the back of his head. Before he could react, I pulled the trigger. Just like my dream, a mixture of blood, brain, and bones gushed forward out of his mouth. It spread over the table and covered our food. His body slumped forward onto his plate, and it was done. He was gone. I would never have to hear that dreadful sound, nor see that sickening display ever again. Once again, I was at peace. A calmness came over me. I slumped down onto the ground and passed out. I had awoken at around 11 or so the next morning. It took a while for me to realize what had happened. I was not in my own bed. The hard tile had given me a terrible ache in my shoulder, and everything felt sticky and wet. As the world came into focus, I saw Dimitri's body sitting awkwardly in his chair, slumped over the table in front of him. My gaze fell and I saw the pool of blood encircling us both, like some giant hole in the floor opening wide to engulf us both. Then it hit me. I had murdered my best friend. The only person who stuck with me my whole life. I had betrayed him in the absolute worst fashion. All because he chewed in a rude manner. There was a hard thud on the back of my head and I realized I had slowly crawled backwards to the other side of the house, my eyes fixed on the horror I had created, and bumped into the wall. The clock chimed. It was noon. Then one o'clock. Then two. The time passed, and then I finally gathered the courage to pick myself up off the ground and do something. I am no murderer. I had no idea what I was doing. There was no plan at this point. Like any sinner, my only thoughts were of the deed itself, not the aftermath. My hands were dirty and my house was violated. What was I supposed to do with him now? All I knew was that I had to do something. So I started to clean. I left the body there, but I cleaned the kitchen around it. I wiped down the table, mopped the floor, cleaned the chunks and stains from the walls and ceiling. Once I got into a rhythm, it became easier to forget what was happening. 
It felt like any other week cleaning the house. Yes, this time I was cleaning blood, brains, and the occasional tooth, but it seemed so ordinary as I was doing it. I threw everything into a large black trash bag, tied it up, and placed it in the corner. It took me hours, but finally everything looked normal again. That is, except for the mouthless dead man sitting in the middle of it all. The sun was beginning to drop low before I realized that I had not eaten all day. Of course, who could blame me? How would anyone think of eating in such a gruesome scene? Nevertheless, my stomach, which knew not of the evils taking place, rumbled for sustenance. I was shaking from fatigue, shock, and hunger. In my old age, that was a recipe for disaster. I opened the refrigerator and pulled out an apple. Salivating, I brought it to my mouth and bit in deep. The sound of the apple as my teeth dug deep into its flesh made my skin crawl. The combination of crunch and squish filling my head made me gag. I tried again and I almost threw up. I could not bear the sound. I grabbed a piece of bread from the counter and tried eating that, and that also made me nauseous. Somehow, this awful thing I had done to Dimitri had affected me. I could no longer bear the sound of chewing, even if it was my own. I tried all kinds of food and I could not keep it down. Even water would come right back up after I swallowed it. I don't know whether it was the ghost of my friend getting his revenge inside my head, or just my final step into insanity. There was only one way to find out. I had to get rid of the body. If I could get Dimitri out of my house, then maybe I would be able to eat again. That brought me back to my initial problem, though. I had no idea what I was doing. How was I going to get rid of the body? My despair became so great that I cried out loud. I screamed long and violently, and then, as if in reply, I heard a coyote yapping outside. The sun was almost gone, and they were coming out to find food. That was it. The coyotes. I could drive him out to the desert and drop his body a mile or so from the highway. That is far enough that the coyotes would get rid of any of the evidence before anyone found a pile of bones licked clean in the hot sand. So now I find myself dragging Dimitri's body through the garage. I wrapped the body in an old canvas tarp I had from years ago when I repainted the house. In my old age, the task was exhausting enough. Pair that with the fatigue of cleaning my mess all day, not being able to eat in more than 24 hours, and the adrenaline and emotions coursing through my body all day. I feel like I could collapse at any moment. But I must carry on. I have to finish the job. I am able to finally get him to the car, and now comes the task of hoisting him into the trunk. First I lift the feet and drop them into the trunk so that his knees are bent over the bumper. Then, after about 10 minutes of grunting and pulling, I finally get the rest of the body to follow the legs inside the trunk. It's becoming hard to keep track of time in my tired state. I have to keep checking my watch for the time. When I finally get into the driver's seat and get the engine running, it is around 11 o'clock. That's perfect. By now the traffic should be gone and I will be able to easily drive off the highway into the desert. The drive seems to take a lifetime and no time at once. As I am driving further and further from the city, the ground gets darker and the stars get brighter. Little by little, the cars all get off the road until I am driving alone. I begin to slow down and swerve onto the shoulder. When I am sure that I am alone, I turn off my headlights and drift into the dirt. It is at this moment that I realize my small passenger car was not intended for this type of terrain. 
Even going as slow as possible, the car jolts from side to side. I cannot imagine what my trunk must look like, or Dimitri's body for that matter. Almost a mile away from the highway, one of the tires blows out. I figure this is far enough. I can leave the body here, put on the spare, and hope that I don't blow another one on the way back. With a small flashlight in my hand, I realize that the trunk was indeed as much a mess as I imagined it could be. Dimitri's body had become unwrapped and was completely exposed. Blood coated the entire inside of the trunk. I really, really wish I had planned everything better. I try to wrap up the body as much as possible, but it is no use. I concede that I am going to make a mess of myself, and I will deal with the car when I get back home. There is a shuffling noise behind me in the distance, the familiar yipping of coyotes. They already know there is a meal on the way, and they must be headed toward me. My heart starts racing as I realize I am running short on time. I grab Dimitri's hands and hoist them toward me, out of the trunk with all my strength. As I fall back, the body drops on top of me and I feel a sharp stabbing in my chest. As hard as I try, I do not have the strength to push him off of me. I am pinned to the ground and this tightness in my chest is getting worse. My arm goes numb and I cannot breathe, and everything begins to go dark. After my sight goes, so does everything else. My body is numb, I cannot see, and the only thing remaining is the sound. I can hear everything. The coyotes come closer, the sniffing next to my ear, the gentle nibbling. It becomes more violent until there are countless creatures surrounding us, chomping and slurping, barking at each other, growling and grunting, licking their lips and clacking their teeth as they consume the meal brought to them. With my other senses gone, the sound floods my brain and takes over. The sound of their ferocious consumption engulfs me. I am unable to do anything. I can only lay there and listen. All that is left in the universe is that sound. That awful, sickening sound. Today's story was written by me, Joey Kluge. Music by Stephen Reeder. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast. If you would like to learn more about Ashwood, you can visit us at www.ashwoodstories.com. That's www.ashwoodstories.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Ashwood Stories. Again, we are on Facebook and Instagram at Ashwood Stories. Thank you for listening. Stay bright, everyone.